Hey loves, this is Kate, the founder of Loam, and you're tuning in to Loam Listen. Loam Listen is a space for exploring how cultivating creative community can be a catalyst for ecological regeneration and social justice. We truly cherish the opportunity to be in conversation with you all. This episode is a special one, as it's our very first to highlight music from one of the many amazing musicians in the Loam community. Inspired by a conversation with Kailea Frederick of Earth is Ohana, we'll be committing ourselves to braiding music throughout future Loam Listen episodes. Art is really integral to the Loam identity, and we want this podcast to be a nourishing container for you to connect to luminous artists and makers and musicians whose work reimagines and re-energizes our world. It's in that spirit that I'm so excited to learn from and listen to the luminous Leah Thomas today. A Maui native, Leia is an absurdly gifted weaver, herbalist, and singer-songwriter whose work excavates the relationship between person and place. Today, Leia will be sharing about Blue of Distance, an ambient folk album written and recorded over the course of an artist's residency in a solar-powered cabin deep in the Sagebush Mountains of northeastern Nevada. Created in collaboration with John Thayer, Blue of Distance will go live on Spirit House Records on October 4th. The beautiful recordings are part of that album, and such a vibrant expression of how sound can inspire us to dig deeper. Leah, I'm so happy to have you here. Thanks for having me. So when we first connected to prepare for this podcast, you shared about how living in the deep wilderness can help us make sense of what it means to be lost. Can you talk a little more about what it was like to create this collaborative album and what you reclaimed through the experience of losing yourself in space and place? Hmm. It feels like a very big question (laughs) (laughs) because the experience was was really vast and the revelations were deep. Um, Maybe I could start with telling about how we even 
got invited to go out there. Yeah, that would be amazing. Okay, cool. So the the artist residency that we went to and recorded this album as a part of is called Montello Foundation. And it's run by a man named Stefan. And he had the year prior to the year that we actually ended up going to the cabin, um, he had found me on the internet and commissioned me to make a custom weaving for the studio space. There's like a living side of the cabin and then there's a studio side of the same building. Um, And so he wanted something that kind of warmed up the interior of the home side of the artist residency space. And he kind of briefly described what the Montello experience was. And I was really intrigued, but I didn't, you know, I really don't think there's any way that you can fully comprehend how epic it is to be out there. And like, I was weaving it and I, you know, I knew it was going to be in the desert and I had all these things in my mind and I had created all these visuals of what this place might be like so that I could infuse that into the weaving that I made for it. But uh, that, that's how we, that's how we originally learned about it. Um, and he always told us, you know, you're welcome to apply for this, you know, the residency next year. And it didn't work out the first time. It was a little too soon for us. But the next year we did apply and, and he helped us um, get a two week spot out there. And it was really wild to see the same weaving that I had made when we finally had the full context of what it was like to live and create, you know, 20 miles, 16 miles or whatever it was from the nearest kind of real human landmark. (laughs) Uh, We wake up every day and, and just feeling completely bewildered and my weaving was hanging right next to the bed. <laughs> That's amazing. So it was, it was, it was really, um, it felt like this big cosmic wink, just kind of like, yeah, you were, you know, meant to be out here. And we really took that to heart. And even when we had kind of perilous experiences in the desert, I kept telling myself, like, you were invited here. You know, there's mm-hmm. a, a reason and a purpose that you are both here to do this work right now. So. That's kind of how we ended up going out there. <laughs> That's amazing. I love the full circle with your weaving. That's so special. It was really far out. I mean, it's it's so interesting when you, you know, people find you on the internet. It's, it seems like this magical network situation, <laughs> that just this web of information. But he really just wrote me out of the blue. And I never would have expected that, you know, a year or so later we would be having this really vivid experience and so what did you and John do to prepare for this experience you know what does your collaborative process look like and and how did this really epic environment that you were in support you in that collaboration? Um, So John and I have been working uh, and really kind of living together for over a decade. So there's a lot of back history um, (laughs) and learning and trial and error um, in how we 
how we work together as like two artists with two different perspectives. But we really, when we applied for the residency, we had a very clear vision that we wanted to make a collaborative album. He's a recording engineer and we've worked together. um, Well, he's really worked on my music with me a lot over the years, but we've never been able to find a project that we could really approach it um, as equal equal input, you know, from writing the music and the mixing like all the way through. So we thought this would be a really cool opportunity to approach it that way. And he's great. I mean, that's how he makes a living. He's a recording engineer and, you know, on top of being a musician and a drummer. And and he just, I trust him to pack every little detail. (laughs) We had like a really long list of essentials that we needed to make a record on us in a solar powered cabin basically (laughs) whatever we could fit in two suitcases we had my electric guitar my acoustic guitar and um you know we also had to fit in like clothes and sleeping bag like because we were also road tripping on our way over there so we had brought out camping gear and what we actually ended up bringing for recording probably fit in one suitcase it was um quite minimal and I think it was really awesome because it gave us a lot of limitations to work with within and uh really really lean into the more raw sounds right and the minimalism which I think really parallels actually the desert experience on a whole and how did those limitations help you listen more deeply to the land and begin to learn the language of the space that you're in. Hmm. So John is really into field recordings. He brings like little cassette recorders anytime we travel. And he just loves, he loves sound. So he, he's really keen on capturing the environment around him. And in this case, we happen to be in a very natural environment and a very remote environment. So we would just go for walks and he would be, you know, when, when we arrived, the moon was waxing and the coyotes were kind of moving through our region and we could hear them howling every sunset and the full moon was like quite exceptionally <laughs> um, poetic. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was just like this kind of like with our limited technology when we'd be out and about, it was it was actually a pretty great way to be able to capture something in the moment. So we'd go for walks and hope that they would start howling because they'd really only yip for like, you know, 30 seconds, maybe 45 seconds and trying to get like a computer on and a microphone ready and stuff would be impossible. So I think in that way, like having this mobile rig kind of already got us in the mindset of being ready to capture something when when the land was ready to speak to us. And I'd say the same kind of theme occurred throughout the trip when we were trying to incorporate other sounds of the landscape. For example, there's a track that's just called Hail, and we mixed in, you know, sounds and drones that we made ourselves. But a lot of the sounds on the album are just captured directly from the area right outside of our cabin uh and so there's just you know there's hail (laughs) there's sounds of rain coyotes like all of these things that were happening really real time and it allowed us to be 
more flexible and more fluid and reactive, I think, to what was going on around us. Wow. All of that was so evocative. And, you know, when you were describing coming to this land, I just felt chills, right? I could feel like the the moonlight. And I'm wondering, you know, made me wonder more, what was the texture of your days like while you were there? You know, what was the role of still stillness and silence in your work? Um, how did you explore that being in this place of of deep loneliness and isolation? Yeah, <laughs> there was quite an arc to that experience. <laughs> when we, so when we drove in for the first time, um, you know, when you look at the words 16 miles on a paper that's giving you directions and you, you don't totally realize that it might take you like 90 minutes to two hours to drive that. Wow. <laughs> so the farther and farther we got out there, we were already kind of shedding any idealistic um, views that we had on the experience. Like we going in when we were packing and stuff and still in, in the city, we live in Brooklyn. And when we we're still here, we we're like, oh, it's going to be so peaceful and relaxing and we'll just be left alone and we can just like do our thing every day and no one will bother us and no distractions and there's no, you know, internet or communication and and then when you actually get out to being so far away from people and you get all those things that you're wishing for in a way, um, there's definitely this, this kind of shock that happens at first. And it's just such a fascinating experience. It's really hard to describe in some ways. And I've thought about it a lot, but I just don't know as much as I've read and heard stories, people telling me about, you know, I guess anybody that's like does backcountry backpacking and stuff would understand this feeling. But for me growing up in Hawaii, there's not a lot of places you can go that are that isolated. Um, so for me, it was probably a first and a lot of unraveling, um, a lot of excitement. I mean, the first four days that we were there, we were just blissed out. There was a little more action around because there's like a ranch that owns the adjacent land and they were moving their their herd through the area for the first couple of days and then they didn't basically didn't come back for the rest of the time. But maybe that was also a little comforting just knowing there was like a few <laughs> few people like dotting the hill, the horizon, you know. Um, yeah, there was a lot of time to just be alone and I... I love I love being alone. I mean, I think I think left to your own thoughts when there is nothing to alarm you can be an incredibly um, rich and inspiring experience. But <laughs> what happened after day four was we left and and I'll kind of like I don't know how deep I should get into this right now because it's such a it's such a thing. But so anyway, this is kind of the meat of our experience and what what really set us into like a deeper understanding of what it means to be in the wild um, is that we we left the property we decided we want to go to the Bonneville salt flats which were in Utah just over the border we we're like in the northeastern corner of Nevada so it was just a couple of hours to get there and um, we did a day trip but we were there in spring and I guess this is kind of the like one month time frame that this area can experience storming and it doesn't really rain for the rest of the year but we were there in this very fortuitous <laughs> I guess you could say uh 
moment in time. And so while we were at the Bonneville Salt Flats, we were we actually shot a music video there. Um, we got enough footage to do a video that we we just released um, for one of the songs, and that was amazing. And we had a beautiful time. And when we were driving back, we got back to the Canyon Road, and we had realized that it had been storming all afternoon there. And in the desert, when it storms, <laughs> the land has no ability to hold that water. So the road was just, it had just turned into like a foot of slick, red dirt, sandy mud. And we were in this little rental, little compact rental with no traction and no weight at all. And we ended up getting a flat tire just about halfway to the cabin. So we were kind of stuck in this moment of like, well, it's eight miles back or it's eight miles forward and the rain was starting to come back down. It was like quite dramatic in the moment. (laughs) (laughs) The sun was setting, like we're on a new road. We hadn't used this road to get back to the cabin. And, you know, it's amazing what your mind does when you reach those moments of of newness, like a, a totally new experience. And yeah, we just kicked into gear, got that spare tire on there and drove the rest of the way on a donut and it was absolutely (laughs) bananas like the roads there are not they're not your normal dirt roads they're like completely unmaintained blm land like maybe a few cars drive back there a week and they'd been all cratered out because it'd been storming so much and so john was like a total miraculous driver i just i can't even i can't even express (laughs) how grateful (laughs) i was for his driving skills and we got back just before sunset um it took us like an extra hour to get there just sliding around the mud and it was the full moon night it was just one of those nights that the energy was so potent and we got back into the cabin and I just remember looking at my weaving that was by the bed and just thinking like why (laughs) (laughs) in the moment I was like why would this happen this is not fun you know like this is not like a peaceful breezy experience not the thing that I was expecting um and I think that was kind of the moral was that like when you're when you're in the wild you should expect the unexpected you know I had a I have a very um I think I've had a very romantic relationship with nature in general because I've studied um plants from an herbal medicine perspective for a long time and you're mostly working with, you know, foraging kind of plants that grow in the meadows and easy to access places. And there are a lot of them are very nourishing. And there's nothing, um, I think, particularly like heroic about most of the herbs and plants that I work with in that capacity. And the relationships that you develop are really through like heart space and intention and focus and observation and this experience of being in nature was like completely indifferent to how my heart space felt about it (laughs) and it's it was really really valuable because it taught me and reminded me that nature is vast and expansive and pretty indifferent to your needs in a way and it's really humbling And I think a really, yeah, just a really valuable experience. I think we all need to feel small in that way sometimes, you know. It doesn't happen very often anymore. 
Did it experience that kind of frustration and indifference? Did it ultimately like deepen your connection to nature? How do you feel like it impacted your relationship? Hmm. I think I know that the desert is not really my forever home. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good, that's important to know. (laughs) You know, I've been thinking about, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a funny thing, but I do think that there, I have friends that live in the desert and are just such desert people. And, and I, if I actually found it really comforting to be like, okay, cool. At least I know that my home in this world is is always going to be by a body of water I was like yeah that feels good to me and it does feel nice to kind of know that you have that place in the world you know whether it's by process of elimination or just really feeling into it but that was interesting um but also I think I enter places wild places now with a much deeper respect for the power that they hold um and I think carrying that sense of smallness back with you into your normal life into your for me I live in an urban environment so I do feel like having experienced something so extreme and being able to behold a power um so great as the weather patterns in the desert and the the plants that are able to survive these insane heats with no water for months at a time, the sense of resilience that you can find in those environments is really inspiring. And I do feel that I, to an even greater degree than before, will pass plants in my neighborhood even and think like I can carry the same respect for those little ones too. Mm. Does that make sense? Yes. <laughs> I love that. And and that actually really taps into something that I wanted to talk more to you about is this is how this album kind of shed light on the balance between the macro and the micro Um, because something that you shared is that uh, you wrote there's healing on the other side of these confrontations with self and shadow Mm. personal healing can contribute to global healing and this idea of micro shifts um, and of seeing reflections, right, of fractal patterns in the world, right? I love that you're seeing how the plants that you're seeing in the desert increase your capacity to love the plants in your own backyard, mm. um, how we're making those translations. I'm I'm so curious to hear from you about how music and the process of creating that music and of listening to the land and of being with the land has created those micro shifts for you or or maybe enabled you to make those translations between the macro and the micro Mm. um yeah deep question (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but let's do it let's go there um I I think when I when I write I usually start from a place of putting myself in the seat of the observer so in the sense of being in the desert You know, we would, I think you actually asked me this before and I might have like veered off subject, but um, our day-to-day process was really waking up, having breakfast outside and going into the studio, if not going for a walk and then going to the studio, like one or the other, and then we'd switch. Um, But being in the studio space, and I'll just describe the space really quickly, 
it was probably I don't I'm not very good with dimensions but maybe like 15 by 15 or maybe 10 by 10 or something within that range just a just a square room um very basic and I loved it because it was so simple and we could create our kind of own energy space in there but two of the walls were floor-to-ceiling windows so you could look in front or behind you and you would in front of you we would see the nine mile mountain which was the main kind of the tallest peak around us and it was just like square in the window frame and that was just amazing to be in that presence every day but and behind us was the rest of the kind of sagebrush just expanding behind us and to be in a place where you can uh, be observing and also um creating because we would be we would kind of just set up and, and improvise every day um John brought like his tape recorders and like a four track uh cassette recorder and some other like analog pedals and um a synth and stuff and and I would play my guitar and he would loop me and we just kind of get into it and find a flow and whatever you know we would end up like clipping sometimes like an hour-long jam or something and that would end up being like a three-minute piece on the album or something like that but I think being in the process of um being able to sorry there's (laughs) I don't know if you can hear the cars walking outside. Um, That's okay. I think it gives it a good local flavor. <laughs> um, it was really interesting to be able to like observe and create kind of within the same breath. And I think that was something that was really unique to being in that place and time. And I think that being the observer, like you you put yourself in a very different state of mind than than you would if you were just, you know, walking to the cafe or whatever. Like you're you start to listen deeper and you start to look more closely and I think you start to see details that maybe wouldn't have spoken to you otherwise. And I think within seeing those details, then you start to see how things within the landscape are interacting with each other. Maybe you notice a new kind of a bird and what they're eating and the songs that they're singing or how quiet it is sometimes. And then I think the creative part of me wants to see the ways that things interweave. And I think that's a lot of, that's something that a lot of artists see in common. And we're always, you know, maybe trying to, I think as humans, not just artists, but trying to understand how we how we can relate the things that are around us and how we fit in to the places that we're in. Um, so I think that, I know it's a, a, a strange way to answer your question, and, but I think that when you're, when you're observing so much and you're seeing all the small things, and if you can see yourself in all those small things, it immediately creates this sort of, this sense of interconnectedness that, um, that you really just can't help but see in everything after that fact. And I think that that's that's an experience that a lot of artists can attest to, and I think that it's available to everybody, really, just a creative practice to, and and a heartfelt practice to be able to see the way everything really is related and the way that not just energetically, but, you know, physically we're on this 
planet and we all have these um we all have a purpose and a kind of way of moving through life and i think seeing the way that things within nature have been doing it for millions of years it can kind of create like a reset opportunity for me as a person because i start to think like okay well if this is the baseline if this is the foundation if this is a harmonious and serene setting that i'm witnessing then how can i kind of be a part of this without creating too much impact you know it's like a meditation an observation meditation when you find neutral and then expand back out from that place cherish what you're saying about kind of cultivating this place within you that you can return to right where suddenly you're so much more attuned to nature and to these small and not so small moments of interconnection and I'd love to learn more right because when you're when you created this album you're in this this really specific place and then you have to take the lessons and the experiences that you learned and bring them to life in your in your everyday and so I'm wondering if you have any practices, um, you know, as a musician, as a creative, you know, just as a person in this world who's passionate about the environment and passionate about sustaining a relationship to nature that you turn to if you ever feel like you veered off course from noticing that interconnection or um, nurturing that capacity to pay attention. This is something I definitely think of a lot. Um, having lived in New York for 11 years and all of my herbal training has been in New York, which is a really interesting place to learn about plants. Um, and I've struggled, I think, in the past about being someone who cares wildly about the environment and yet lives in a very urban environment. But I've learned that there there really are ways that anybody can stay connected. And I'm grateful that I've found a lot of community in New York who feel the same and kind of let me feel like it's okay, you know, because I think the reality is that we're all multifaceted people and my passions are not just to be out in the wild all the time, but I also play music and, you know, we have friends and sometimes our 
economic situations might not allow us to just go live wherever we want to and and have this kind of ideal experience um i've I've considered maybe offering it more as a group conversation or something in a more formal setting um within my community here as like a public offering but i do have this conversation a lot with people that i meet and friends and um, I think it really just comes back to this this practice of putting yourself in the observational position because the more you can kind of slow down to just notice things, I think that's where every magical thought begins. And, and when you slow down and you really can see the way that these these beings that you share space with because even in on my street you know there's a honey locust tree across the street from me and it's it's scraggly and it's struggling but it's there (laughs) and it doesn't need anybody to tend to it um there these are like almost the most resilient plants in the world like these plants are dealing with air pollution and like no one you know watering them they're not garden plants they're just they're kind of wild but caught between concrete and their roots are probably you know a little cramped down there and I just think it's I actually think they're 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 amazing um and so I always encourage people to just just, like if you're if you're feeling anxious especially I have I have so many friends in the city that struggle with anxiety just because the energy of being in a place where there's millions of people going about their daily lives and getting triggered and going to work and feeling all these feelings and I'm always just I think it's really important to remember and remind yourself that you always have a place among nature it's crazy to think but a lot of people do feel alone in the city or ungrounded um, because you're just going from one thing to another perpetually. But when you sit down in a park or you like lay down on the grass or even just, you know, there's a beautiful Datura that's blooming right now. She's in her peak form. And um, I always stop and say hi to these creatures because it gives me a moment of pause where I can kind of check in with myself and and they offer this like opportunity to just slow down and feel like you have a friend or like you feel like you can have this connection with something that maybe um, is not going to like judge you for what you're wearing or whatever. It's just, uh, it's these, these plants and these trees are, are really alive and they have strong characters and there's so much to learn from them Um, and and we can only learn from observation because we don't speak the same language so I think that these connections can be established re-established wherever you are whenever I travel to new places I'm always looking at the plants and introducing myself and checking them out and seeing the way that they grow because you know you can just learn so much from the way certain plants like water and certain plants like this and it just reminds you that oh yeah some you know some people like to live in the desert and some people like to live near the ocean and that's all good and it's okay and I think it teaches you a lot about diversity and belonging and um and just just slowing down 
I think slowing down is a major, major lesson that we all need to remember. <laughs> yeah, really. I, I truly resonate with that. And thank you so much for sharing that, Leah, that all... I felt myself slow down listening to that. <laughs> it's, it's such a beautiful reminder that paying attention is just this really, it's just a great act of love. Um, and thank you for joining us today as well. Your music is such a gift and it was so nice to get to learn more from you about your experience and, and your thoughts on stillness and silence. So thank you so, so much for sharing. Absolutely. I also want to thank the wonderful Isaac Silk for editing, and of course you, our listeners. Loam Listen is still very much in its seedling stages, um, and we just love being in community with you. To close this episode, we want to share the song Lost As I've Ever Gone from Blue of Distance by Leah Thomas and John Thayer. That album, Just a Reminder, is going to be out on October 4th from Spirit House Records, and I hope as you listen to this song that you really take a moment to create stillness in your life Um, find somewhere where you can savor these beautiful tunes and notice something sublime in your surroundings um, and really let this music move through you Oh, uh-huh.